are strange when you're a movie boy. People are movie boys, movie boy, movie boy. I think I had. I think on your prompting prior, I had gone and listened to the cover of People Are Strange that you are referencing here. Oh, don't worry. Everyone will have heard it because that's the intro to this week's show. Oh, okay. So everyone will have heard a bit of Ed Furlong, the star of Terminator 2, and the Crow Wicked Prayer (laughs) uh, singing People Are Strange on the album, the full album he recorded for Japan. So don't worry. Don't worry about that, listener. I made sure you got your your full furlong. Uh, So yes, Ed Furlong. Bit of a fascination in my house. Uh, we love watching shit Ed Furlong films. Pet Cemetery 2 is a masterpiece. Uh, the Crow Wicked Prayer, I mentioned that last week. Fantastic. Uh, and Brain Scan, which is the movie we're talking about this week, is quite something. Like, like a couple of other films we've talked about already, like The Last Starfighter, like Wreck-It Ralph, this is not a film based on a game. It is a film based on games as a concept. It is a film about... Well, it is nominally a film about video games. Uh, And Ed Furlong is the protagonist. T. Ryder Smith provides another video game link, playing the antagonist Trickster. Uh, He also played Sander Cohen in Bioshock, and I think is just as good here as he is in Bioshock. I'm not being sarcastic. This man gives a film that does not... This is... This is more than what Billy Zane has done in any film we've covered. This is more than what Raul Julia does for Street Fighter 2. T. Ryder Smith had nothing to back him up on this. And he carried this film spectacularly. When we say... He had nothing going for him in in this. It, it, it's not just like, oh, the script's bad, you know? Or, oh, he, his co-stars are lifeless pieces of wood that are giving him nothing to work with. His, he's also wearing facial makeup where the skin on the face of this character is drawn super tight. Yes, and very, that's making very... It very difficult to be expressive. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's he got rigor mortis face. He yeah. looks like he should have rigor mortis face. But he is able to overcome that. And just the amount of talent and effort he put into this film, which, as I say, this is a film I've got a great fondness for as a, as a shitty... I, I, I guess even calling it a B-movie is too much. Um, it is more. It, was, of a, it's, it is closer to a C movie. <laughs> you would call it a direct-to-video. Now. It's certainly that. Yes, it's certainly yeah. that. Imagine you know, think about what direct-to-video means to you, and realize that now this is 1994. We're talking about, and yes. that's. And that's, also remember, yeah. this is a, a movie with uh, a child star in it that they are desperately trying to capitalize off of. Yes. Um, yeah. And this so is a this... couple of years after Terminator Two. Yes. Um, so, you know, he, he was hot. Yeah, this is... Ex- well, he was... Well, he was he as was, hot as he was ever going to be. Yes, he was as hot as he could have ever been. Um, 
in terms of career viability, which wasn't that hot. Uh, and so when you think of a child star who is trying to strike while the iron is lukewarm, <laughs> that's exactly the film you get with Brain Scan. Uh, and if not for T. Ryder Smith doing so well, it wouldn't be... I, I wouldn't have the affection for it I have. Uh, but that said, it's not as if the film is terribly made. No. It's just no. embarrassingly 90s. I mean there are okay there there are some technical issues, some editing and some mishaps. issues with there are some issues with the concept of technology. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's some is... conceptual ideas that yeah. are a little weird in and that's This is steeped in when I say embarrassingly 90s, I say this as someone who loves the 90s and loves the embarrassment factor of the 90s. Um but even by my standards it it so amazingly typifies what the 90s thought computer culture and computer game and hackery type culture was like. Yeah. Uh, its idea of what advanced technology was, which is basically tube televisions with cartoons on them that talk to you. Well, the, um, the, the thing about, well, I mean, that's, you know. Hmm. All right, so here's. The... <laughs> Sorry, I just, I really like that. Yeah, I, no, I, like, I, just, I, just, I like I it try... when you, your brain attempts something, realizes it's pointless, and just shuts well... down. <laughs> no, 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 you're absolutely right in that. But here's the thing: if I had seen this movie in 1994, like there's one piece of technology in this that just doesn't—it doesn't make any practical sense why it functions the way it does, and it is supposed to demonstrate how into technology this main character is, and so how he, how cutting edge he is. And you're right, it, it is silly, especially by modern standards, looking back on what the people in the 90s thought the kids would be into. Yeah. But at the same time, in 1994, 14-year-old me would have seen that and been like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't be too... No, it's not. I guess it's not a a full indictment of of Brain Scan as it is the the culture the time of the time. in which yeah yeah and 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 I am a but, product of that time very sure, much sure. So. sure sure as am I, but um, I will say Brain Scan leans into it harder than a lot of others do it to really the point does. where it it looks especially dated um, with with some of its yes. ideas of what computers can do. <laughs> um, could do at the time, and then by the time they could do that, just how bad it looks, their now, version yeah. of it, their sci-fi version of it is to the reality. Um, it's a fascinating film, though. It, I find it a fa- it, it it's an interesting concept. Yes. Um, the and the general not... premise is that of a video game that kind of almost like well, virtual reality in which you are a murderer. But are the murders real? Ooh. And that's a, a good concept. Yeah, that's a good premise. And and it, I think the one thing I was thinking about um, 
are, are sort of lamenting about the fact that we're doing this episode now is that we have not yet done Existence. Right, right. And uh, if you've not seen Existence, uh, you, you really should. Um, I mean, it's it's David Cronenberg film, so that right if, there should tell yeah. you to just go out and see it. Well, if you're one of the people that watch that that, that watch the movies before listening to the spin-off Doctors, then at some point you will watch Existence. Yes, I'm but but I do like I would tell you to watch Existence. I, I would not tell you to watch most of the movies that we do here <laughs> is the difference. I would actually recommend seeing this movie. Yeah. Um, and and it, co- it covers a lot of the same ground. Um, it covers a lot, a lot of the same ground much more effectively. Yeah. Well, um, one of BrainScan's big flaws is how heavy-handed it is. Um, it makes a lot of... It, it makes a lot of knowing self-referential nods to violent media mm-hmm. but it does it with a straight face as well so it just comes across as desperate as it tries to satirize violence in media and also the outcry about violence in media yeah. while not really saying anything about any of it yeah i think it's yeah i think it is much more about uh the criticism of violent media and being critical of the criticism of violent media than it is satirizing the violent media. Yeah. Uh, I don't and, think and that's a weird thing as well because, I mean, well, it's got mixed messages because the, the main character of Edward Furlong, who I will just call Ed Furlong, uh, is... Actually, no, I'm going to call him Brain Scan. Uh, the main His problem name's with, Michael. I'm not going to call him that. Okay. The main problem yeah. with Ed Furlong is... Like, his character is... I guess in a better written movie, he is the indictment of the person who has consumed so much media to the exclusion of everything else that it warps who he is, Uh, which, you know, can be a very real phenomenon and is something that, you know, many other pieces of entertainment and and, and art have discussed. Uh, When you look at the character of Edward Furlong, uh, you know, the woman, the the love interest, he only interacts with via a screen uh, because he's filming her. Uh, He only really experiences the world through entertainment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end when it Trickster does his really unshocking line of, oh, but I'm you. Spoilers, by the way, oh, it doesn't God. matter. No, um, but yeah. The really you're, cringy, it, it, but you see, I'm you all along. It's like, okay, so they're criticizing what what this media can do to someone if they consume so much of it that it becomes their life. And if but, they choose to isolate themselves yes. from other people And in a better entirely. written film, that would have come across. In this, it gets jumbled up with what else... The film, because the film simultaneously says criticism of media doesn't matter or is overblown, but also media can really fuck you up. So it's it's almost like it's 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 basically trying to have its cake and fuck it too. It it wants to say everything about everything and winds up saying nothing. The only thing it really says is that T. Ryder Smith can rock the hell out of prosthetics. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that jacket, that smoking jacket. That oh he's my. Wearing. God, yes. The crushed velvet with the leopard lapels. It's just Yes. Like he amazing. And again, he his character is derivative. He is mm-hmm. every 
antagonistic. He is every movie bad guy that a 14, 15 year old kid would yeah. imagine be a cool bad guy in a horror movie. I mean, he's it, he's a character from he's you know he's part little monsters, mm-hmm. he's part Beetlejuice, he's part. Um, Actually, I think it was my friend Louis Falls who called it Discount Beetlejuice, the whole film. That is good, um, yeah. Louis is upset with me because he watched Brain Scan in preparation <laughs> for this and, and was like, fuck you. Sorry, Louis. I still like it. I still like it. I'm not that unapologetic. But yes, he is that. He is Beetlejuice. He is... Uh, the, who else was I going to say? Right, um, fucking... Uh, I was going to say right said Fred. Drop dead Fred. He is yes. that character only the protagonist really sees them are they real are they not they are poorly mannered they get you into trouble they are and in fact as i was watching t Ryder smith's performance of this the only person i was thinking who could maybe have done it better would have been rick mail yeah i think rick mail is the only one who it, it would have been a different character it would and have it, and it, it well it would have been drop dead fred too i think yeah um so yeah it's it's even the trickster as a character is derivative, but it is performed with such uh, such smoothness. Yeah, dedication and, and smoothness. Like, he is just so natural doing that. Which he I feels think... entirely comfortable in that stretched out skin. Like, it's, yeah. it's, there's no hesitation. No. It is just sort of cool and casual, and this is what it is. And, and it looks like he's having fun. It looks like yeah. he, you know, even if no one else was enjoying themselves on set, which I wouldn't find difficult to believe, given Frank Langella's performance, um, the, he, is, he just seemed really bored. T. Ryder Smith is the most natural-seeming thing in this movie. And he is the unnatural thing. Yes. How fucking weird is that? Yeah. Everybody else in this is stiff as a board or, you know, I mean, they're just either because they lack experience or the directing's not great. I, or they're better than this shit. Or they're better in than Frank's this. In Frank's case. Yeah, some of them are better than this shit. Hell, T. Uh, Ryder Smith is better than this shit. But at no. least from a talent perspective, if not a career one, T. Ryder Smith is better than this shit. And like Billy Zane... He did not let that affect his work. He did not Ben Kingsley this. No. And I think, I think that's good enough to lead into the actual summary. Yeah. Yeah. I I really, this this does not deserve to be a two hour one. Um, Let's get on with it. Our film opens with scenes of an idyllic suburb cut with shots of the view from a gurney traveling down a hospital hallway. It does not, like, waste any time no. trying to fucking confuse you. No, no, no. It's, um, uh, it's... <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was about to say it's very Jacob's Ladder, but then I had to stop myself because Jacob's Ladder is a, a piece of art. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the... the... The hospital hallway bit is part of a nightmare that's being had by uh, Teenage Jed Furlong in which he remembers the tragic auto accident that killed his mother and disfigured his knee. Yeah, um, now, yeah that, that's Ed Furlong's big tragedy. Um, it's the, the big tragic thing he has to live with that makes him an outsider. He's got a bit of a scar. I've got a scar on my fucking knee, mate. Well, lost his mother at a young age, has a father that isn't around because he's too busy working, as we'll learn. Yeah, he's Later, basically but... got movie family. 
One parent yep. dead, the other two busy with work. He has got nineties <laughs> teenager movie family. So he wakes up in a cold sweat to the sound of a telephone. But it's no ordinary telephone because Michael has some sort of weird computer set up with voice commands and a creepy animated butler character that seems to serve no other function than to place or receive phone calls. Yes. Uh, This character, we might as well call it, this cartoon character on the TV screen. that uh, name is Igor. Igor. And says things like, phone call for your master. Message for your master. I couldn't live like that. <laughs> I couldn't live like that if every time a phone call was coming, I phone call for your master. And I'm the one who had John Lithgow going stupid fucking cunt uh, from Dexter as his text message alarm for a, for a long time, loud in restaurants. <laughs> no, it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly annoying. Well, the other end of that, too, is I wouldn't want to use it from a voice command perspective. Like, something that someone who is more interested in this movie than I am can go back and do if they desire. And I don't think – I think they were careful enough to avoid it. But his computer, to hang up the phone, he says later. And that's the command to hang up his phone. Right, and... Like, that's not a word you're ever going to use in conversation outside of the context of ending the call. I mean, especially when you consider we're in an an age of, of, you know, ubiquitous voice commands now. Now, yeah. And it's still got confusing elements. Like, like, I can't play my Xbox One with a Kinect plugged in because it's constantly fucking with the games because it'll pick something up and misconstrue Mm -hmm. it as a word. So to have this technology in the 90s where later disconnects the call. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the phone is Ed Furlong's friend, Kyle. Yep. He's there to tell him about this hot new video or, game, Brain or as, Scan. as I like to call him, Discount Ego Raptor. <laughs> I actually, I like... You say that name, and I recognize that as a name of someone who is involved in, like, things. Yeah. It's it's okay. Someone okay. listening laughed. Okay. Cool. Someone <laughs> listening smiled. So, someone listening maybe smirked for, for, like, a second. But Michael, he gets distracted as Kyle's reading about reading the advertising copy for this video game. Because he sees the girl next door, Kimberly, getting undressed. That means it's time to set up the camera. Yeah, it's it's really good when you immediately establish your protagonist as a total skeevatron. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Here's the thing, though. Like, they very clearly intimate that she is aware that this is happening. Like, she goes to the mirror, and she's looking in the mirror, but she's not looking at herself in the mirror. She's looking out of the corner of her eye at the refle- at something else in the reflection. Like, she's looking for him. Yeah. This is in the scene. And yeah. That, so, so... But he doesn't Kimberly, know that she knows. So No, he doesn't know that she knows, yeah, but we, she knows that he he's doing it. He is a Skeevatron. He is a total Skeevatron. And she seems to be cool, about, cool with it. Like she, she loves she's it. Aw- 
she loves, she's going, she's standing like, oh, I'm going to go and remove my bra in the most central, centrally framed location of the window. And, and, and then, so then a Kyle on the phone, he's also aware yeah. <laughs> that Ed's filming her. Yeah, like, he gets almost to the point where you expect his, um, Ed Furlong's dad to come home from work and just yell up the stairs, Skeevin' on next door's girl again! That's my boy! <laughs> and he, I'm gonna go watch the game. He suggests that Ed Furlong should elevate his stalking game to something more serious. Because there's a football player that's been nosing around. <laughs> It's like a mission you'd expect in Hatred. Maybe the people who made Hatred, like, were big fans of Brain Scam, but, like, <laughs> like how people think Walter White's the good guy. They were looking at Ed Furlong the whole time, thinking, now, here's a guy whose philosophy I can get behind. <laughs> Spy on women. Kill people. Brain Scam. So after ending his call with Kyle, Ed Furlong acknowledges to himself that he's a pervert. Yeah. That doesn't Tells make his... it okay. I, does trust not. Trust me. Does... No, Every yeah. time I'm done with a wank, I try that. It doesn't... While you're wanking... Yeah. But after you're done, does nothing for you. Ed Furlong <laughs> got it wrong. And and, and it, well, it has no impact either because he's still watching her. Yeah. Through yeah. the TV connected to his camcorder. Uh, and he calls her on the phone. By ordering his computer to call her on the phone. I just yes. feel I need to point that out again. Yeah, he doesn't call her on the phone. He asks a cartoon called Igor to co- connect to her phone through technology. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and then he watches her, like, walk to the phone and pick it up and then hangs up before she can answer. Yeah, I mean, like, again, took his friend's advice, stepped up his game. Stepped up his creeper game. He's graduated Uh, to a nuisance caller, not just a spy. (laughs) He then decides to call the number on the brain scan ad and has a chat with an enthusiastic, if somewhat severe, sales rep who explains that brain scan's experience is derived from the subconscious of the player. And when Michael, very rightly, calls bullshit, a bunch of bright lights flash, and he has a brief seizure. Yeah. We've skipped a lot, by the way. Have we? Yeah. I'll just briefly fill in. Because we have a whole scene where Brain Scan is recommended to him by Kyle. Well, yeah, no, I told that I, I mentioned and... it on the phone. Like, And there's a ton of, like, really crappy advertising hype copy. Like, uh, this is CD-ROM digital. Am I remembering it out of order, though? Like the, Because no. that's the bit I wanted to talk about first, was him talking about how it's on CD-ROM like it was the hot new thing, because that made oh, me Oh, okay, laugh. yeah, no, I mean, I breezed past... It is, you're right, though, it is a, a very sort of lengthy description that he's reading from the Fangoria magazine. Yeah, he uh, goes into yeah. great detail about, you know, this, this awesome game on CD-ROM. Yeah, this this discount Ego Raptor. Uh, and the scene, the the, the horror club, was that after this? Yeah, uh, the horror club is after this. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, we haven't I, gotten the introduction to the horror club. I'm yet. remembering things still... out of order. My mistake. I apologize. Mm-hmm. 
No problem. Uh, actually, yeah, the hard club's just about to come up. The, so he has this little brief I'm the one who's seen thing. this multiple times. Like, people... Like, just in case people think I don't watch the movies and that's why I get things wrong, I have seen this film for pleasure many times, <laughs> as well as watching it this morning. And I still can't remember what order well, this yeah, fucking film's in. It is not that memorable. You know, like, scene to scene. No, no. It has memorable elements. <clears throat> yes. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the sales rep, after this seizure, tells him that he's being sent a copy of the brain scan titled Death by Design and hangs up on him. Uh, Michael tries to redial uh, to no avail. Now, uh, the sound that the phone makes when, when, he, when he calls it and, you know, and doesn't get an answer... That wasn't a busy tone, I don't think. Right. So I'm not sure what that tone is supposed to indicate. I mean, considering we don't know where and when this film is set, with its amazing technology that any 14-year-old boy can well, have. there are clues in the film, actually. Ooh. You see, uh, Michael's home telephone number has a prefix of 717. Okay. Uh, which is an area code for uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. Okay. However, this is contradicted by, I believe, one of the newspapers in the film that indicates that it may be set in New Jersey. So, really, this is set in the far flung future where Pennsylvania annexed New Jersey to become New Pencil Jersey. And they may have taken on Texas's gun laws. Pencil Jerzexus. Xerxes. It's just called Xerxes. So at school the next day, presumably, time, the past, there are, between the scene jumps in this movie, there are often, there are clear passages of time. Yeah. But it's often not made clear exactly how much time has passed. This is another reason why the film is always jumbled in my head no matter how many times I watch it. Because, as, right. yeah, the passage of time, I don't know how many days this movie takes place over. It could be, you know, a couple right. of nights. It could be years for all I fucking know. And 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 I will I, I bring this up now because I'm going to bring it up again uh, a little bit later. But so just... Time passes and you're not sure how much, and the inference is almost always it's the next day. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Um, so that's what we're running with. Uh, so at school the next day, Michael and Kyle are, are watching a horror film with some other students in their horror club. Uh, the principal walks in on a scene where a person's gallbladder is being eaten. Yeah, uh, which that especially made me cringe. There was just something about them specifying gallbladder that I'm like, you're trying too hard here. You're well, trying horror... too hard to be like, like specify the gore. And I don't think horror film fans would even talk like that. Oh, this is the bit where they eat the gallbladder. No, it's like you would oddly specific. It's like this is where you know they munch down hardcore on these fools. I don't. I can't remember how I spoke in the nineties. But well, and, and the other thing is, it's, this club's the club itself is kind of interesting because it seems to be a club where Ed Furlong and Discount Ego Raptor 
basically hang out with the cast of the young ones. <laughs> well, but they, they're they're all dressed they're sh- up like Rick and Vivian. Yes, they are. But they're they're showing them these movies in attempt in an attempt to like freak them out, like. They are the only two that seem like they're familiar. They're acting like they're the only ones familiar with the content. Yeah, although trying... although Ed Furlong's friend does seem really into it too and on the edge of his seat, even though he's seen it before. Yeah. And only Ed Furlong is, like, bored of it because, of course, he's looking for the next big thrill because we're clearly dealing with someone with a lot of problems. As he says, he's played them all. Yeah, he's played them all. Oh. Um, I bet if you so showed he... this kid Cannibal Holocaust, he'd shit himself. <laughs> Sing them all. Played them all. Bullshit. I the bet he'd sends... piss his pants at Puppet Master 2. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the, yeah, the horror movie that they're watching is really pretty kind of lame. <laughs> it was clearly one they found without any royalties attached to it yeah. anymore. You know, statute of limitations on that one's gone up, so we'll... We'll show this woman just flailing near a dude. So the the principal sends him to his office yep. and gives him one of those old school horror movies lead to drug and sexual violence lectures. Very heavy. Well, it was like, um, what was it? Watching pornography, getting an erection, raping people. To which yeah. Ed Furlong <laughs> provides, you know, some real, what I thought was biting social commentary, um, which is the line... I don't think erections kill people. So, uh, no, I don't or think erections people, yeah. rape people, sir. I think people rape people. At which point the principal loses his mind at the idea that a person has raped another person and then tells him the horror club's over. <laughs> I'm assuming that was the reason he disbanded the horror club. The idea I, that he blamed the people and not the erection. It's, well, it's just such a, like, it's such a leap. Yeah, it like, is. The, the the jump from pornography to erection, which is a, like, that's a completely natural progression I totally understand, right? That yeah. makes sense to me, to raping someone. Well, again, I think it just speaks to how heavy-handed this film is. They could, yeah. they had to give the most cartoon character bad authoritarian character they could. Like, the most exaggerated version of the teacher that comes down hard on the kid who just wants to play video games and watch his movies. So, yeah, he will instantly say, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, porn leads to erections, erections lead to rape. So the principal cancels the club and decides that any future content will have to be cleared by him before being shared. I, I, so which is it? Is the club cancelled? That's, or does it just that's have it, more yeah. oversight? He disbands the horror club and then says, the next time you do horror club, let me know. <laughs> um, to me, I think it was just a way for him to have an excuse to watch porn. I, I think he was thinking, I bet they're watching porn in there. I bet I can get the tapes off them. Yeah. Horror clubs disband. Well, I tell you what, let me watch it first. And if I approve... <laughs> You can have it back. If I don't, it's staying at my house under my bed. On the way home from school, Michael sees the scene of an accident where a motorist hit a cyclist just as a body is being loaded into an ambulance. As he reflects on his own brush with vehicular tragedy, 
His reverie is interrupted by Detective Hayden, played by Frank Langella, yep. who tells him to move along home. Um, once at home, Michael gets the mail, and it includes a CD-ROM from BrainScan, which he bitches about having not ordered. He gets a message from his dad saying that his dad's going to be out of town for a few days more. Yeah. And that's kind of... This, this is why I brought up the passage of time thing. Because now the film has sort of set a deadline of expectation. Yeah, it's told us this happens over a couple of days. Right. Over a... Or, well, it tells us that the father is going to be home within a few and days. And that's true. And you can't expect that this scenario doesn't play out before the father gets home. Yes. <laughs> May, maybe the father comes home at the end. Yeah. It's basically saying... There's no parental oversight, so whatever shit's about to go down, it's going down over the course of these few days. Right. Yes, that's what the film's telling us. So Michael is sad and continues to brood well into the night. Yeah. When when a party is happening at Kimberly's. And he decides, I'm just going to play brain scan. <laughs> the natural and... reaction to the party mode. And tells his computer to call the brain scan number and then hold all his calls right before Kimberly attempts to call, presumably to invite him to her party where people are drinking and listening to Thunder Kiss 65 by the White Zombie. Oh, great. I, now, what I like about them listening to this is it's one of the few times the movie has a soundtrack instead of that one theme tune that they commissioned that they play constantly in every scene forever until I'm dead. Yeah, they really did get their money's worth out of that track, yeah. didn't they? This film, as far as I can tell, outside of, you know, whatever low-grade heavy metal they rented, has a song. No, there's a Primus track in there here. There is a Primus. There is a Primus. And and it, it is in a really good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the soundtrack is all right. But they do have this one original song. And that is played constantly. And, like, in the first scene of the movie, I'm bored of it. Well, and there's another another interesting thing about music in this is that these teenagers all have a lot of rock band posters in their bedrooms all of them yes like and and there are really only three major teen characters in this you know three three teen bedrooms that you see and they all have lots of music posters and i have my suspicion i know what you're gonna say but i have my suspicion that they are all the oh no i have my suspicions as well and it's not limited just to posters either uh, now, the one thing they all have in common is they all have an Aerosmith poster yes. for some reason. But um, both Kyle and Kimberly have Metallica posters in their room. Uh, Kyle has a, what looks to be like a sticker or a coaster with the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo on it. And I think I know what you're going to say um, in that I think that they were trying to get these bands to be on the soundtrack by putting their promotional <laughs> material in the movie. Oh, no, 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 no. Mine, mine is um, even more lazy and cynical than that. My belief is they threw all that in to trick you into thinking the movie was cooler than it was. <laughs> I think they knew they'd never get the Red Hot Chili Peppers in there, but if you show that the characters have Red Hot Chili Peppers... 
And if you can get the one, you know, high-profile license track you can and have your antagonist dance to it, you can convince a crowd that your film is cool. Also, I am fairly sure they had one bedroom set and didn't bother taking posters down when they were changing it to be someone else's bedroom. <laughs> no, no, no. They're all different posters. That's the beauty of it. Like, all of those Aerosmith posters are different. <laughs> the The two Metallica posters are different. Oh, that's even better. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, still, it's... I still think it's one set. But now I like it even more that they took posters down and then put new ones back up. Well, the Aerosmith posters are, um, well, there's three full-size posters because one character, I think it's Kyle, has actually two Aerosmith posters right next to each other on his wall. Okay, so he's winning He's winning the Aerosmith sweepstakes. He is. Yeah. He is. Who's ahead uh, on Metallica? Are... Um, well, it's a tie okay. between Kyle and Kimberly, Kimberly, I think. Well, that's, but, that's um... why they're a perfect couple. But I think Kimberly has the uh, and justice for all like full size poster. Okay. Whereas Kyle's poster might be smaller. Ah, so she's Could got be. him on the quality. Yeah, she, uh, almost certainly. Yeah. Um the the Aerosmith posters are all for the Get a Grip album. Uh, which which released in ninety three or ninety four. Okay, so that was perfect so, timing. Yeah, they were they were being timely with that. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I, I, I tell you what, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if I were to learn they wanted Aerosmith. Definitely, yeah. definitely, I could see for the time period and, as you say, the fortuitous release of the album, that would have been a big get. Uh, but I do think like their plan B is, we'll just put a lot of references to hot bands in here, and then we will be a hot film. Get a Grip was a huge fucking album. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised so, they yeah. got permission to even just show the, I know. the artwork for it. That was probably and, the and best it, they could get. It was like, can we can we get some songs from Get a Grip? And then, you know, um, Tyler Perry f- uh, phoned back and said, well, you'll be the one who needs to get a grip. Now I'm going to go and star in Witness Protection Program. <laughs> I you know I wonder I, I'm I'm trying to find out who produced it because it could have just been a licensing through parent media company. Eh, there is always that, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, well, I I I saw I saw Aerosmith on this tour, which is why I was so oh. able to recognize it. I was a big I was a big fan of that album until it became completely, totally, utterly oversaturated on everything, and they had those like three music videos that all starred what's her name Callista Flockhart you are correct in that blonde and thin and I think with a C uh Chevy Chase uh, anyway anyway yeah big big Aerosmith fans in brain scan um uh, another thing I wanted to bring up we were just talking about how you know he has the computer call brain scan. So there, but it isn't a modem thing. No. Like it's not connecting to brain scan. He's just calling it on a voice line. Yeah. Well, we've already established in the film that brain scan connects to you no matter what. Like you don't even need the disc for it to do stuff to you. It can make lights flash and you sweat a bit. Yeah, God, it's sweaty in this film. Very, very sweaty. He's a very damp, damp individual. He's a damp boy. 
but but the how many lines how many incoming lines does he have <laughs> in his house connected to this computer what does his because, dad do yeah because he he says he tells it to hold all his calls so the I, while he's connected to brain scan and Kimberly tries to call and Igor I guess answers because on her end she hears master is busy master is busy it's like what the fuck who designed this an idiot that it just goes to show that I'm now continuing to think about how I would have built this in 1994 <laughs> I keep learning about new features like oh great now I have to account for that um so settling into his gaming chair, Michael is told that for the next two hours, he'll be in a state similar to hypnosis and directing the actions of a killer, committing a murder and covering up evidence within a time limit, and that this is the first of four discs. So laying out sort of the rules of brain scan. Yeah. Um, saying, let's party. Actual line of dialogue. Yeah, oh yeah. Michael starts the game and sees a bunch of flashing lights. We are then treated, and that's in air quotes, Mm -hmm. to a first-person perspective moving around a rather nice residence and a voice giving helpful suggestions about going inside and selecting a murder implement from the kitchen. Think almost like the director from Manhunt. Uh, If Mm. you've ever played that Rockstar classic, um, it is set up in in some similar fashion to, to the Manhunt concept. You've got the voice in your ear urging you to do bad things and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a bedroom upstairs, there's a man sleeping in a bed. So it's stabbing time. Yeah. Uh, Michael almost screws it up by hesitating, but eventually stabs the man in the back several times. And then just and a then delightful knife... death scene happens. Yeah. The man just sort of flails around the room with the knife stuck in his back. Um, and It's and not quite really on the like... level of that famous YouTube video of the, of the, the guy from that film just going, ah! and getting shot a bunch of times while smearing blood all over the, the walls. But no, it but is he does kind make of... An effort... He makes an effort to knock down everything he can in that scene. Yeah, he does tumble around the room, smashing everything and smearing what he can on what he can grab hold of. It's quite a delight. While a cat watches. And then, yeah, just 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 watches. And you know what? That tracks. I can see that. Yeah. I could see a cat just sitting there watching well, while its master is... Why get involved? Yep. Uh, so, uh, let's see here. Oh, and then shot in third person for some reason, the killer cuts off the tattooed foot of the man. Yes. Cause the... I don't know why they switched to a third person perspective for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. But... I guess maybe they thought we'd be confused <laughs> if we went too long. Not... Because they go back to first person then briefly yeah. as they show him leaving. So you'd think the strange. idea would be to keep it in first person at all times to keep up the illusion that what's happening isn't real. But by cutting to third person, they kind of break that immediately. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he cuts the foot off because the, um, the the director telling him to do things tells him to like make it interesting, get creative. Get creative. Yeah, something like that. Um, and yeah, he's got a tattooed foot. And then he snaps to in his bedroom, realizing what he's experienced, and feels pretty good about it. Yeah. So good, he decides he's going to compete with the music from the party next door for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, if there's one thing that will really make you look like the winner, 
It's to play louder music than the party next door. Uh, uh, to basically direct everyone there to look up at the window and see you with a thin film of sweat glistening off your ratty little face. And they think, he's cool, I'll go over there. <laughs> the next day, and I mentioned this because remember now, this is supposed to take place over a few days. <laughs> and we seem to go day to night a lot here, but it's day now. Yes. Uh, and Michael tells Kyle about BrainScan, seemingly on the way to or from school, it's hard to say. Uh, and they're nearly run over by a police car going somewheres in a real hurry. Uh, Kyle wants to play the BrainScan game, but Michael wants to give it a few more goes first. And back at home, now there has been some passage of time, Michael tries to fire up BrainScan again, but it doesn't work. But then Kimberly comes home and decides he's going to visit her, like, damn, escalating yep. right now. Uh, and endures a, an uncomfortable experience waiting for her in the living room of her house with her parents. Uh, Kimberly's mom turns on the news, which is reporting on a local murder, which turns out to be just like the murder Michael experienced in the game. Which would have been a twist had they filmed the murder correctly. Right. He gracelessly leaves to go watch the news at home instead, just in time to hear mention of the missing foot. Which, that is a detail that I would think it odd would be released to the news. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the problem with movies is they can't have any subtlety in them. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose not. Like, we wouldn't know that this murder was in any way connected to Ed Furlong if we hadn't heard about the foot. Because that, that's the point where it's a twist and we find out the game is for real. Not when it cut to third person during the murder. Not when all the details of the murder were the same. But the foot. <laughs> the foot is where the penny drops and the audience goes, Oh, fuck. Not when this is the only murder that's ever happened in this community as pointed out by the... <laughs> Brain scan oh. brings murder to places where there was none. Like an idiot... Ed Furlong visits the scene of the crime and crosses the police line. <laughs> he had a great murderer. It's no wonder he needed a video game to help. This catches the attention of Detective Hayden, who, again, tells him to go home. So Michael goes home and checks his freezer, which, by the way, the side of his fridge, huge Alice Cooper trash uh, image on it. Just saying. Great album. And he finds the foot atop a frozen TV dinner. He tries to call BrainScan, but the operator says there's no such number. And then the phone rings, and it's BrainScan calling him through the TV. And I'm just so fucking confused. Michael demands an explanation. I demand one also. <laughs> and a dude comes out of the TV introducing himself as Trickster and telling him to take some responsibility for the murder. Trickster even commends Michael on his talent and says he looks forward to future work. Now, this is a problem for Michael, who apparently has an issue with actual real murder instead of the fantasies he watches in films because he is capable of distinguishing between the two. But Trickster says there was a witness that will need to be dealt with on disc two before disappearing in a flash. Yes. Um, 
Pretty much, pretty much. But the scene does have some great moments. Um, it does. Including uh, how Trickster says that he himself is a witness, but he will never tell because they could break his fingers one by one and he starts breaking his own rubber prosthetic fingers um, just to show that he is a larger-than-life cartoon character like The Mask. Um, right. He says, they could gouge my eyes out and then... Pokes his fingers. He gouges his eyes. And then yeah. some black liquid just runs down his cheeks and then he opens his eyes because there weren't enough special effects for actual eyes to come out. And he details all this torture and then goes, and we all laugh, he goes, but please, no country in Western music. Even I have my limits. <laughs> Do you get it? He likes physical torture. He's fine with physical torture. He can't stand Western music. It is... Um, that's, that's the joke. But he does put on Primus at one point. Um, he does? And he, and he does this great, like, dance sequence. Like, he's immediately endearing in yes. a strange way. Yeah, he puts on Primus um, because he holds up the CD and goes, Never leave home without it. Well, and, and there's, the, like, the physical action. Of, uh, the, uh, his, you would call it business, I guess, as a technical sense. Yes. When he is... Um, going through Ed Furlong's CD collection and looking dismissively at every one of them before he and tosses really patronizingly as well, like, haven't you got any good music? <laughs> like, it's haven't just... Haven't you got anything good? Yeah, like, really? Oh, Michael. Yeah, it's... He's magnetic in this. In this. Like, it's... it's I mean, I love as well the... to watch. While he's dancing um, and howling and jumping on the bed, uh, my favourite bit is is when Ed Furlong yells at him to stop and he just instantly collapses on the bed. Like, suddenly, everything stops. The music, the dancing, collapses and then just twists his head to stare at him, almost like a dog that's been reprimanded. And the yeah. way that's performed and done is just... Excellent. I just, I love that mm -hmm. whole thing. It's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, he's, it's really, really good in this scene. Um, so Michael decides that he uh, had better dispose of the evidence that's in his freezer, takes the foot to the forest to bury it. But a dog appears and steals the foot and then drops it when his owner approaches, forcing Michael to hide in the brush with the foot and nearly be discovered. Um... And I guess this is important because we need to have this dog reappear multiple times in the movie, I guess. Yeah, let's look at a dog. Yeah. Let's look at a dog. Uh, with the foot buried, Michael return or Ed, I don't know, Furlong, <laughs> returns home. That's all, it's easier to just fucking call them by their actors. Unless yeah. there's someone like the trickster who does deserve to be called the trickster. Uh, he burns the clothes he was wearing. Yeah. And then thing. idiot Kyle comes by to see why Michael didn't come to school and Michael tells him he has mono. Okay. Yeah. Kyle's really excited about the murder in the neighborhood and about how maybe he could borrow the brain scan, uh, sorry, the brain disc scan disc. <laughs> this is... <laughs> this was a... This was one of those situations where they did a take and they only did one take, I think. And they were going through the dailies at the end of the day. And they saw this and they said, well, fuck it. Yep. 
No room in the budget to shoot it again. It's, it's, it's what I call the Jim Sterling approach to editing. Uh, eh, so Michael's a real dick about the whole thing, and, and they they have an argument that ends with Kyle giving him the finger. Yeah. And storming off. Oh, um, so, so bad, these boys. It's, it's yeah. Uh, friendship is hard. Yeah. Later, Kimberly comes by to deliver his homework for the week and his mail and a copy of the high school paper where her photographs are published and another envelope from BrainScan, which freaks him out and causes him to alienate Kimberly, too. So he's, you know, firing on all cylinders. Oh, yeah, two for two on the friend front. In a fit of rage, he tears open the BrainScan envelope and destroys the disc. That night, Michael gets a call. And Trickster appears again, urging him to play the second disc before the witness has a chance to speak. Now... Michael says he's destroyed the disc, but oh, no. Trickster seems to have it intact. And it's a good reveal as well, actually, as he lifts his yeah, finger it's... and it's spinning on his finger. Yeah, that like would be flying. a great reveal. That would be a great, great reveal if they didn't ac- if he didn't accidentally hold his hand up too high in the shot immediately preceding the spinning thing, where you could see the disc sort of <laughs> stuck on his finger, sitting still. <laughs> Uh, fair, 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 fair <laughs> uh, Michael threatens to play the game for the police, and Trickster warns him against it. Now, uh, Michael sets up a camera to record himself playing the Does he warn disc. him or dare him? I forget. Is it a warning a or more of like a, oh, do it. See what it's happens. like, well, it's, it's, it's sort of like, oh, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Right, gotcha. And yeah. then, you know, still eggs him on to and do it anyway. still, yeah. Yeah. Um... He starts the game, but we aren't shown what happens this time. As Michael awakens to find the timer on the television indicating that he successfully completed his task within the time limit. Unable to remember what he did while playing either, he checks the recording and watches himself get up from the chair and walk out of the room after the television stops flashing. So he goes to the fridge and in the freezer finds the uh, one of the pieces of jewelry owned by Kyle. Like, that we, I guess we, like, he had to say his name. Yes. So that we would know it was Kyle's, yeah. unfortunately. It wasn't because obvious it wasn't, like, enough. Yeah. It, it, this was one uh, of the, the cases where the film actually was subtle, uh, but really didn't need to be at this point. Well, it was, yeah, it was too, it was too subtle. And so it had to counterbalance that by directly. By just saying it was it. a necessary step. Yeah. It wasn't, it's not like I'm knocking it for being heavy handed here. They had to do Are you it. saying it would have been uh, quicker and easier uh, if they'd have had the budget to have just got a prosthetic Kyle head to put in the fridge? Yeah. Or gone to greater effort to draw attention to his style of dress and what he was wearing. Like, if this had been more significant standout-ish in some way, if it had been, like, a choker around his neck. Yeah. Or, since this is a horror film, um, and you expect to see some actual murders and stuff and and, and, and that kind of business, uh, have him keep watching the tape or maybe have a playback feature of the game so he can relive what he did or something. You know? Just mm-hmm. something. Or just, I don't know, just not do the, the way they did it because... It seems almost counterproductive to not have him remember what he did and then immediately show what he did. Well, but it is somewhat necessary because he needs to not be able to remember the mistake he made. 
Yeah, no, that's true. But they could have done that by having the murder take place, but him now almost like in a no mouth but have to scream kind of way, like mentally willing yeah. himself to stop doing the murder, but he's doing it. There is just so many better ways this could have been done, which is yeah. kind of brain scan to a T. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I This is a movie that. That, that should have been excellent, which, again, is part of why I like it, because it is a movie that has all of the right tools. It has every opportunity. And impressively yeah. misuses every opportunity it has. Um, he tries to call Kyle on the phone, but the phone is answered by Detective Hayden, oh, and Michael hangs fuck. up. And I gotta ask, does everybody Michael talk to on the phone here later... They must do. When he says it to hang up. They must like do. You'd, you'd think. How weird is that? Yeah. If, if I, if I'm being t- totally honest, I'd just use a normal phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I think Kyle's got it right. Yeah. Um, Kimberly comes by Ed Furlong's house the next morning to console him. And shows him a petition Kyle had started to reinstate the horror club. Really twisting that knife. Yeah. And as Michael watches news coverage of the murder later, Trickster reappears and tries to convince Michael of the necessity of Kyle's death. Is this, and says is this that, when he's eating? Uh, just that, before. Just before, okay. Just before. Says that uh, Eddie left a clue behind while playing the second disc. Uh, their conversation's interrupted by the doorbell, which Trickster suggests that Ed Furlong ignore. And when Ed Furlong leaves to answer the door... Trickster settles in to watch the Three Stooges. I love him settling in to watch the Three Stooges. Uh, This is, in almost any other film, I would have said, oh my God, why are they wasting time on this dragged out shot? But the fact of the matter is, so T. Ryder Smith's performance as the trickster is the redeeming quality of the film. Yes. There, there, there is and no so, way you can really drag him out because he's owning every moment he's on the screen. And so when they dedicate an additional like 30, 40 seconds to him slowly turning, finding a remote control, turning on a TV to the Three Stooges, and like... No, I get exactly I mean, I what you mean. I can't stress to you how slowly and with intent he slides into the chair. Mm-hmm. Expressionless. <laughs> That's it as well, yeah. Like, deriving nothing from what he's doing. But just, it's, this... it's, it's kind of magnetic to watch, though. Like, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah, and it's, it's they could have gotten so away with a, not too long, much longer, but they probably could have no. dragged it out just a little bit more, and it would have been fine. Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing and a testament to the performance. Um, now it's Detective Hayden at the door, and he is there to make sure that uh, Michael feels uncomfortable by by telling him all of the things that his classmates said about him behind his back. It's kind of a dick move. It kind of is. They show him a copy of the high school newspaper, which, okay, the the high school newspaper says it publishes weekly. 
This is two in two days. <laughs> if we're to believe the timeline. Yeah. It's, it's... And there's a headline. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like a, a near Drakengard thing. It's like, it's a lot of different timelines and a lot of possible well, there's a, events. There's converging. a suggestion in a subsequent scene that there, that this is a special edition. So, okay, maybe. Fine. But why does everybody in this town only read the high school newspaper? <laughs> Are there no real newspapers? Why is the policeman carrying around the high school They're newspaper? They're just the best at what they do. The high school <laughs> newspaper is just better at journalism than the, the actual <laughs> local paper. Well, it's true because they do manage to get the quote. They get the quote. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, they show him this newspaper with a headline about Kyle's murder, and uh, Hayden asks if Ed Furlong was the person who had called uh, when he'd answered the phone at, at Kyle's, and, and Ed Furlong denies this. And Detective Hayden makes sure that Ed Furlong knows that he's going to get to the bottom of this whole mess. And on the way out, the detective talks with his partner and reveals that he observed fresh ashes in the fireplace. But it's summer. A clue! A clue! Upstairs, Trickster has raided the fridge and made just... Like, like, left a trail of carnage. Yeah, yeah, he went to town. And, and he, when the camera pans up to show him, he is just basically gnawing on a raw chicken. Yeah, a whole raw oven-ready chicken. What is up with us and these movies and people <laughs> eating chicken? <laughs> is this revenge for an old joke that we made? <laughs> The thing about Trickster is he raises the chicken <laughs> and he eats the chicken and he lowers the chicken. Uh, but he really is eating quite quite a fancy feast. We've got um, bananas all cut up, mixed up with sauces of different varieties. And again, to compliment T-Rider Smith, he's eating it all. He really is. He's stuffing it in his mouth. Stuff that looks truly grotesque. Ed playing it totally straight. Yeah, flavours that do not go together, but is the revulsion registering on his face? Is it fuck? No. No. Because he is a goddamn professional. Oh, God. 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 So he reads for Michael the article that was in the high school newspaper about Kyle's death because now he's got a copy of yeah, it too. Yeah, there's a there's a logo on the on that high school newspaper, isn't there? Yes, I believe there is. Oh, I wonder what, what what logo is that on the high school newspaper that he's reading? I actually don't remember. Oh, I thought what was it? Isn't it like another Aerosmith logo or something? Oh no! It's on the back. It's uh, there's an advertisement for an Aerosmith concert <laughs> tour on the back page of the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, this movie loves Aerosmith. I mean, they really do. They were in their prime. Fans. Let's 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 be honest. It was the year of mm-hmm. Aerosmith. Uh so uh, he reads this article in the newspaper about Kyle's death, and that contains a quote from Michael himself that was obviously provided by Kimberly from their conversation the day before. Betrayal. But again, now there's like a passage of time thing going on here. Like, it's just 
how many how many days have passed? Yeah, like it really. <coughs> I, I, I mean, I don't. I, I guess with the as we hurtle toward the conclusion, the passage of time can retroactively be explained. Well, yes, absolutely. But, but at as point, a movie, it's that doesn't stop it being chronologically confusing. In not yeah, like, in a where good the way. fuck is his dad? Yeah, like this isn't a Quentin Tarantino fucking film where you know expert direction and writing allows time jumps to work. This is just. It just looks like confusing editing, even if it was done on purpose, which I don't think it does, even with the retroactive explanation. Yeah. Yep. I, I think agree. it was meant to take place over several days, but the events they needed to happen couldn't fit, so they just couldn't said, fit in that fuck chronology. it. Yep. Just like brain disc scan disc, they were just like, <laughs> fuck it, good enough. Have you Trickster seen that taunts. smoking jacket? That's all the audience will care about. And and you know what, they were they were they right. got me pegs. I mean, they, they they had me down to a T. No one no one should be giving a shit about this detail that I'm bringing up. When you have that smoking jacket, yes. fair dues. Uh, Trickster taunts Michael with this whole revelation and and cuts his hand and teases him about him being you know uh, having been in an accident with his mother. I guess. Yeah. And the blood from the, the the hand wound drips for a while before the hand is mysteriously healed as if the wound had never occurred. <gasps> the resulting pool of blood becomes a brain scan disc, which Trickster urges Michael to either play or just kill himself, and proposes that Michael could simply retrieve the clue from the third disc without killing anybody. Um, I like this. I mean, it's stupid, but I still like it. Mm-hmm. I still like that he's got this, you know, CD-ROM made of blood that's all crimson and... No, no, it's, it's again, in in a better produced film. Yeah. Some amazing concepts at work, but with the budget and clearly the lack of time to reshoot things uh, that they had, it, it doesn't quite come across as it should. Well, I mean, there's, there's an explanation. I mean, obviously, the, the reveal explains the wound disappearing. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I view that more as a clue to the Oh, no, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying, like, that, like what you're saying about the whole disc of blood thing. Like, it's a, it's a really good concept, but just their presentation... Yeah, it, it, it leaves much to be yes, desired. Yes, yes. Which, again, is this film's story. It's this film's story of never really making what it's obvious they wanted to make. Right. Uh, as Trickster is leaving, Michael gets him to reveal what Michael's looking for, or Ed Furlong is looking for. I, I should really just use their names. Uh, which are footprints, owing to the distinctive limp he has from that accident that he had as a child. Yep. Uh, so cut to Kimberly's bedroom, where she and Michael are making out, oh. and she straddles him. And then it's the guy Michael killed and he wakes up. Like, I mean, really? Were we going to fall for that? The guy has not had a conversation with this this girl. Well, that again, was not... given the way this film goes, it would have been easy to believe this is like five years later and they're in a long <laughs> relationship. Uh, after waking up, Kimberly is trying to get in touch, ringing the, the doorbell and shouting up at, at his attic. And 
And Ed Furlong eventually opens up the window and throws his copy of the newspaper out at her before going back inside, turning up the music way too loud to hear her protest. So at least she knows that he knows and is justified in his anger with her. But but Um, it's also good that she knows he's dealing with that anger in the most infantile, petulant way possible. And seizing this opportunity, Detective Hayden who has been watching this scene from his car across the street, violates the Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution by entering Michael's house and collecting ashes from the fireplace. (laughs) Nothing like getting yourself some inadmissible evidence. (laughs) Later that night, I guess, because it's nighttime now, Hayden addresses a group of community watch members who are all community watching. Has anyone told Frank that the coals in that fire will be cold by the time this goes to court. Him holding it up and saying, see, it's still warm in summer. I'm like, well, no, it's September now because of how long due process takes. And also that's cold as shit. Where did you get it? His fireplace. All right. How'd you prove that? Well, I, I was there. Did you, did you have a warrant? Yeah. I mean, that. yeah, like before we even get to the fact that it's inadmissible, it's not evidence by the time he gets his hands on it. It's just some ash. Well, un- uh, no, I mean, un- unless he can state when it was collected. Because the idea of having, you know, fresh ashes, it, not necessarily warm. I don't, does, I don't think he says that they're warm, but that, that someone had recently used the fireplace and that it was summer is incongruous. Of course, but now, when it's... you could just be a sloppy pig pig. And not have cleaned your fireplace. That's it. There are so many reasons. The ashes could have come from anywhere. He had... That's not proof of... I guess the best I can think of is, you know, oh, he'll find bits of burned clothing in there. Right, well... Which would still not prove something enough to raise suspicion. Yeah, it's just... Him sneaking into a house to steal ashes is just bananas to me. Yeah, no, it's super dumb and weird. Um, and so Hayden addresses this group of community watch members who are all going to be community watching. Yeah, just watching the community. Yeah, you know, well, I guess they're, you know, they've all come out because there's a killer. And so it stands to reason that the killer's just going to be wandering around at night and we should have everybody out looking for it. Yeah, yeah. If I were the killer okay. at that point, I would then switch up to doing it in the day when they're all tired from being out at night. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, Hayden warns the community watchers not to carry guns and threatens to arrest anyone who does. So that's how we know this isn't set in Texas. Yeah. See. Um, it's, it's a process of elimination working out where and when this film was. Michael plays the third brain scan disc and goes to Kyle's house to mess up the footprints he left in the front yard. Why did he have to play the game to do that? Why didn't he just go to the house? I do not know. I I guess because Trickster told him he had to play the disc. I don't know. Yeah, he's very trusting of someone called Trickster. (laughs) It does, yes. The clue's in Uh, the name! As he's... As he's cleaning up the footprints, the phone rings inside where Hayden's partner is dusting for prints. And a voice very much like Trickster's informs him that there's an intruder in the yard. So, Trickster's a dick. Who'd have guessed? Yeah. There's nothing in the name that would have suggested I it. I think that's one of the... 
one of the things I admire about the trickster character is he doesn't really seem to have any actual stakes. It doesn't matter to nope. him whether Michael slash Furlong gets caught or not. He got a murder out of it and he watched Three Stooges and had a free chicken. Like, he's, he's yeah. good. He's won. It's a win for him no matter he's what. He's already won. Like, the best thing about this film is that Trickster has won on the first night. The rest is yeah. all gravy. The rest of this film, we're watching a, a winning villain getting a higher score. <laughs> That's all it is. He's just racking up points. That is, that is really brilliant. Um, Normally a bad so guy has an ultimate running. goal. That's all I'm saying. And he hasn't. His goal yep. is fuck. His goal has already yeah, been achieved. Have someone yeah. killed and fuck around. And he is doing it. <laughs> I love tricks and, lo- and loving it and having a good time doing Absolute it too. Absolute blast! Free room and board. <laughs> so Michael sets off running, but has to avoid the cops and the roving pairs of community watchers. He's eventually caught at a construction site by the school principal, who, in the struggle to use the radio and keep Michael pinned down at the same time accidentally gets a ton of bricks dropped on his head. We, we have all been there. Literal ton of bricks. This draws more attention to where Michael is, and a whole bunch of community watch dudes swarm the area, and so does that persistent dog from the foot scene. And it does basically the same thing, sans foot. Yay. Hooray! Hayden's partner shows up, gun drawn, freaking out one of the community watch dudes who also has a gun and shoots him. Oops. In the resulting focus on the uh, dead cop, Michael is able to escape, but as he's making his way through the yard, he's seen by Kimberly from her balcony. Ba- 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 balcony. That's all right. There we go. I'll, I'll leave it in. Brain scan, disc scan, it's fine. <laughs> Brain disc scan disc. Well, fuck it, we'll leave my flub in as well. <laughs> Back home, just in time. The trickster is impressed, even if Michael doesn't seem to think it went very well. But it's pointed out that now Kimberly is a witness that will have to be dealt with. Hayden meets a couple other cops to get a report on the ashes he's collected, which contained blood. (gasps) And he gets confirmation from them that Michael was the one who placed the call to Kyle after his death. So Trickster tries once again to to get Ed Furlong to play the last disc and eliminate Kimberly, pointing out that she can't be trusted to put Michael's interests first and suggesting that there's nothing particularly special about her anyway. Um, Kimberly again tries to get Michael's attention, but he's brooding in his room and thinking about joining a motorcycle gang and dying tragically only to be resurrected with the power of the crow so he can take down David Boreanaz. (laughs) And that night, when Kimberly is asleep, Michael pops in the fourth brain scan disc. Yeah. Breaking in through the back door. You see, takes par- I've got to I've got to bring something up about Ed Furlong at this point. Please so do. So far, his problems have been murder and the solutions have been murder. At no point does he think that maybe if he stops murdering, the problems will stop. When the when the solution is the same as the problem, 
It might be the problem. He seems to, like, early on, like, every time this comes up, he seems to protest with murder is wrong. And, and then, then just goes does and does it, it anyway. Yeah. Like, like f- is is presented with a scenario where he feels he has no choice but to murder. I think, I think the main problem is... Even when there are so clearly many other options available. The main problem is, is that Ed Furlong makes a series of terrible and awful decisions, as does his character in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so... Breaking in through the back door of Kimberly's house, Ed Furlong takes a pair of sewing scissors and heads up to her bedroom. Coincidentally, Detective Hayden's out back of her house, too. Um, Michael hesitates when he sees the prode Kimberly, and Trickster gets impatient and tries to force Michael's hand. So Michael decides to confront Trickster and demands to know who he is. (laughs) To which Trickster replies, I'm Ed Furlong. Yep. It is one of the most belabored... Oh, I'm you all along thing. Like it It is a real disappointment in yes. this movie that could have come up with something more clever That's it. than it's that. That's like I, I cuz it's clearly a movie with ideas, if not the talent and budget to pull them off. Um for them to do that, especially with the trickster character who up until now has been the the crown jewel of the movie, to give him that as a reveal is just like honestly, it would have been better if there was no reason for him doing what he was doing. And it really was his just seeing how much he can get away with until he's stopped. I mean, if you want to make it, you know, oh, this is a character. This, well, I'm, I'm part of you. I'm the real you. I'm not just I'm you. Yeah. Because that's too flat and on its that's face. That's it. Something it needs more yeah. nuance than I, that. I am, you know, I'm allowing it, it, yeah. you to be who you actually are. Something like that, you know. It needed to be dirtened. Yes. Yes. But the whole... Um, which, you know, it's... I think Fight Club came out as a book like two years after Brainscan. Well, there so. we go. Brainscan could have got in first. Yeah. Money um... on the table, Brainscan. <laughs> uh, so... Michael stabs Trickster. And Trickster uses spaghetti from the wound to grab Michael's hand. Starts trying to pull Michael into yeah, himself. Yeah, one of the few uses of CGI in this uh, movie. Uh, one of the few times too many. Yeah, well, they use the same sort of spaghetti effect when Trickster is first introduced. Yeah. Uh, he sort of comes out of the TV as a disembodied, translucent head. Yeah, it's a weird thing that happens. And then he's made of meat spaghetti yeah. coming from the bottom of that head. Uh and and you know and so there there the, there's some effect stuff going on a little lightning effect a little you know like blue screen and it's for a low budget early '90s film that's not bad yeah it's I not I mean it's it's better than the reptile from Mortal Kombat absolutely oh yeah I mean like like the CGI spaghetti aside which is terrible uh, the rest of this you know like fight merge scene is handled pretty well. Um, and, uh, it's during this sort of thing that Kimberly finally wakes up. So I guess she's like a really deep sleeper. Yeah. Well, she's dreaming about Uh, Ed Furlong. You don't want to wake up from that. And, and she witnesses Trickster literally swallowing, swallowing Michael whole. Yes. 
<laughs> like 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 a snake swallowing an egg. Like the jaw just oh and oh. And then, and then they do this super cheesy effect of going into Trickster's eye and showing it, you know, it's spinning in space and for Furlock. <laughs> uh... <laughs> and then Michael pops up from the bed, or Ed Furlock pops up from the bed with a half-scarred face thing and gets super menacing about the whole killing Kimberly yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's basically half Trickster now. Uh, Kimberly tries to tell Michael that she loves him, which he interprets as a move of desperation. Which, uh, but which she reveals that she totally knows. Would, hmm? Given how little they What's know that? each other, say that again. I said, sir? like, it, I'd read it as a desperation move, given how little oh, yeah. these two interact. Yes, yes, no, you're. He's. I don't think. Yeah, he's. I, I would. Think so too. If she is genuinely now, in love with him at this point, she's about as weird as he is. Yeah, that. Uh, and she reveals, no, no, she totally knows that he's been creeping on her from his window and that she's into it. Uh, as as a way of proof. Yeah. And this. And again, like, that's not waver. proof to me of love. That's proof that you know you a kinky little fucker. <laughs> Which, yeah, 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 again... Like, you're a freak, it, and I might be dead. Yeah, that would score points with me. That would score more yeah. points with me than love, which I find hard to believe, given our lack of interaction. <laughs> if you want me to piss in your mouth, <laughs> that I'll, I'll acquiesce to. Then I'll just pull all the bits of rubber prosthetic off half my face, and we'll go have dinner. Yeah, like, what? Like, say, hey, whoa, whoa. Let's scale back the relationship. I'm not there yet. Let's take this one step at a time, baby. Yeah. That I That's it, right? We'll, we'll take it slow. We'll go from you creeping into my bedroom. Why not start with you now rooting through my trash? Because I'll get <laughs> off on that just as much. I just... I just... I don't... I don't want this... I don't want to ruin this thing we have by jumping straight into the murder, right? You know? Exactly. Some things like, take time. I want to be engaged to be engaged to be murdered. Romance me! <laughs> uh, Michael Wavers and he and Trickster are separated with Michael declaring victory at this point. Uh, but Trickster has one more trick up his sleeve. Well, that's why they call him the Trickster. He opens the bedroom door to reveal Hayden on the other side, who points his gun at Michael and shoots him. Why not? Why not? Well, again, like then, he's got nothing but evidence he can't use. Might as well shoot the guy if he knows he's a killer. And then Michael comes to in his gaming chair on the night he first played Brainscan. What? Revealing that... All the events that followed were only the game. Well, if that isn't crap. Like you would, he then decides to totally wreck all of the shit he owns. Well, it's true. Okay. I mean, he, he was he was just about to score with Kimberly. If you forget the bit where Frank Langella shoots him, I'd be a bit pissed off too. <laughs> He's really making great progress on destroying all this shit when he hears Kyle from downstairs. He races downstairs and embraces his friend that was dead to him minutes ago. And Kyle immediately makes me wish he were still dead with a fucking Lucky Charms reference. 
Kyle also reveals that apparently some people have had problems with the brain scan game, and boy, it sure is a good thing Michael didn't order that one. Hey! Right? Ed Furlog, having grown through his experiences in the game, decides to seize the moment and find Kimberly. And after getting past her too-cool-for-you friend, who Kyle manages to pull because those two insufferable people are fucking made for each other, despite the fact that she has only one other scene in this movie early on... I mean... I can't stand it. Again. She's a horrible person. They, they hired a cast member, so get your money's worth, have them for two scenes. Um, Michael tracks down Kimberly and asks her out. And she rejects him, but says she'll give it thought, which is apparently enough above his incredibly low standards of self-esteem that he's over the moon. And he then, going back to the, the nature of their relationship up to this point, he invades her privacy by looking through photos on her nightstand that she's taken of him from her window. <laughs> Michael returns to I school. Mean, with that context, it's no surprise she turned him down, because clearly that would <laughs> erode what she's getting off on. <laughs> Michael returns to school and visits the principal, saying he has a game he'd like to show the horror club, and hands him the brain scan disc. Trickster appears behind the principal's desk and laughs a hearty laugh. Roll well, credits. He, he laughs a hearty laugh then, in... A moment I love. Folds his arms, then looks deadly serious. And then rock music plays and the credits roll. It's... I genuinely, genuinely really like this ending. Um, Stop the credits! Hmm? Oh, no. Because then Trickster asks if you... Not sure if that means the audience or the filmmakers... Are forgetting something. <gasps> what could this be? And we cut to a scene of that persistent dog delivering the severed foot to Michael's house. Which means... It was a really good ending. Yeah. It was a really good ending up until this yes. scene. Because the, the last shot of Trickster and the music kicking in the way it does, I'm like, that's expertly done. And then it's just the film just couldn't let it go. The, the, yeah, well, they they had to make they had to be like, what if it really did happen though? And it's like, no, you told me it didn't happen, and it was better that it didn't happen. Yeah, because now you, it's confusing. Because really? now you're saying bits of it happened. Now you're saying like parts of it happened and parts of it didn't. <laughs> it's like it's enough for me to think that okay, Trickster might be real, but he exists as someone who will basically Freddy Krueger you in a video game. That's enough. Enough ambiguity for me. Of, it's the nature of what Trickster is. Not the nature of did this happen, did this not, after you've already given us the wet fart of it was all a dream. Don't then say, well, bits of it might not have been. So I, I one possible explanation theory... Trickster is the son of Sam. <laughs> okay. I'm just throwing that out there. That's why that dog. That makes there. sense. That makes more sense than He's the, film. the dog. All right. I'm happy with that. That's brain scan. <laughs> <laughs> Aces come out of the rain.
So Conrad, did you like Brain Scan or not? Yeah, I mean, it. I actually did kind of like it. I, none of the actors, except for T. Ryder Smith and... No, that's it. It's really just It really just is him. just him. Maybe the guy playing the school principal. He, he puts in... Considering the shitty sledgehammer anvil of a character he's playing, he does bring a yeah. little intensity to it. But T. Ryder the, Smith is clearly the dialogue the guy. he has to work with is yeah. shit, and that that is the big challenge, I think. But he's clearly um, someone who could have been a more prominent '90s bad authority figure in other '90s films had he d- done more. I don't know what else he's done, but. Well, that's I. I almost feel like I've seen that's him. That's it. He's got things. a familiar face, but I don't know if if I have actually seen him in anything else. I mean, uh, I'm not it's sure. not like I haven't got the internet right here. And even then, I don't care enough to look. Well, and I, I I have to figure out like what the name of that character was, right? And that's a that's a big ask. There is a guy in here who's like his character, his name is Doctor Something, and that's like the closest I can come up with to someone who was an authority figure that might have had a speaking line. I don't know, but they did a whole bunch of Redwall stuff. Redwall's awesome. Like that's one of the few fantasy things I really mm-hmm. love. It's the little mice, right? Redwall. Yeah, it's 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 small mammals. Well, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was fine. Um, certainly, there are things that I think there's there was certainly missed potential Absolutely. in Brain Scan. It's a film of missed potential. The whole film is uh, is it's should have been better. The whole movie could have I, been a real cult classic had it had every element been elevated. Yeah the 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 actors, apart from T. Ryder Smith, were not they're not particularly talented actors. No. Uh, Franklin Geller is, but he, he was you know. Kingsleying it. He 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 was pulling yeah, a bit. He does not give a shit. Um, and the and, thing is, and then the kids, they, like I said, they didn't need to be good actors because it is all hanging on T. Ryder Smith. What they needed was better production quality, more than one take of scenes, uh, and, and yes. some just many moments that needed to be rewritten. But I, I still I still feel like it would have gone a lot further if they'd hired some twenty somethings to play these kids instead of oh, I mean, hiring teenagers. There would have been several scenes I could sit through without vomiting blood, yeah. 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 So it, it, it's everything in this needed a bit more polish just to reach the point of being a beloved bad movie yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, and it is uh, it's a movie that never will be. It's it's not a cult classic. People know it, no. um, but it's it it isn't a cult classic. It's it's just this kind of C movie that hangs around, and a few people have a fondness for for the the few things it does get absolutely right. Uh, and and I'm one of those people. Obviously, I've I've talked about Brain Scan not just at the end of last week's show and this episode, but in other works I've done before. I've talked about Brain Scan. Um, I have such a fondness for T. Ryder Smith's performance and the utter ludicrousness of the film is something that I, I have a very deep fondness for. So I, 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 I like Brain Scan. 
I I totally totally understand why others would loathe it. Yeah, I probably would not watch it again yeah. necessarily, but that's you know, when you look at the the stuff that we've done. Oh yeah. It is very near the top of the pie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a movie I I do recommend people watch. Um with the caveat that there is uh Let's be generous. There is a sixty-five percent chance you'll loathe it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's more about the concepts and this one performance. Yes, yes. than anything and else. It is. I do think yeah. it's it is worth watching his performance again, especially if you loved his work in Bioshock. Then it's mm-hmm. so worth seeing him in the flesh, being just as amazing. Because there yeah. is often a disconnect between very few actors. I feel are good voice actors as well as live actors. Um, a few are, and T. Ryder Smith clearly is. Clearly is great, whatever he's doing. It just fucking sucks that he hasn't done so, so, so much more. Yep. Yep. I, I can agree with that. So, Jim, yes. what are we doing next time? Well, it's been a while since we went to Man Island, and I'm not, oh, I'm not feeling masculine enough now. I've got to. I got to get my pump on. I've got to get my pectoral muscles sorted out. I need to. Got to get I'm juiced. Gonna get juiced. Uh, I've got to get my beef on. Um, tacking on mass. That's what we're doing because we are going to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think it's called the I think one it with is. Shao Kahn in it. Um, yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the sequel to Mortal Kombat, uh, released nineteen ninety seven, I believe. So, that one. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And. Yeah, people have been waiting for this. Yeah, well. It's, I know, there's been some, some anticipation. It's been a while. You know, we've done quite a few Resident Evils now, and we did both Silent Hills. Yeah. So, we we haven't returned to Mortal Kombat. And there there are, I mean, it's not just this one. There, there are several Mortal Kombat exterior properties we can look at. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, and I th- isn't the Mortal Kombat episode, like, the one that inexplicably... <laughs> Through some bizarre yeah. twist of fate, has like nearly a million downloads. The one that for some reason almost a million people listen to, and I still don't know what that is. Like, I, I, it's gonna I, be a mistake. I'm convinced it has to have been an yeah, error. Some sort of, some sort of algorithm <laughs> fuck up. But you know, I'll take it. But yeah, we'll take it, and it won't happen again. But. More combat no. annihilation next time. Until then, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this, then you can follow Conrad on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, and correct. we do another podcast together called Fist Shark Marketing, which you can look at at Fist. Well, you can not look at it; you can see, hear it, hear it with your ears at fistshark.com on the Fist Shark Marketing YouTube channel, or from any podcast place. You know, just look up Fist Shark, and you'll find it. Fist, like a punching yeah, a shark. Like surprisingly, a surprisingly, not a lot of uh, like you, you do a, a Google search and you get as far as fists, or I'm sorry, a, 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 an iTunes search and you f i t f i s t s, it comes nice. up. That, yeah, strangely, that's a good SEO not, uh, that has yeah. translated to no extra listens. None. No. Yeah. It's. Uh, very not popular by comparison. No, no, but we have fun. We do. We do. Thank, thanks, Jim, for 
talking about brain oh, scan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming on to the show and talking about brain scan. And thank you in advance for when we talk about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> 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 we, nice little polite way to end. Let's just go. Let's just, let's just go. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.